Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, whether you're joining us on site or online, welcome. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Well, today we're going to take a break from our study through the Gospel of Luke. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that happened this week in our country. So last Tuesday, our country voted for our next president, and then we waited for days. And then it was announced yesterday that Joe Biden has been elected as the new president of the United States of America. And there are a wide range of emotions and feelings in our nation right now. Some people are elated that Biden won. Some people are relieved that Biden won instead of Trump. Some people are angry that Biden won. Some people are afraid that Biden won. And some people are suspicious of the election results. Some people think that a Biden and Harris-led administration will save America, while others believe that a Biden-Harris administration will sink America. There are a lot of strong and differing emotions in our country right now, and maybe some of you in this room or watching online are having some of these feelings as well. So Joe Biden is our next president. Now what? How are we, as followers of Jesus, to respond to the next president-elect? Today, I want to address that very question as we look to God's word for guidance. Now, more than ever, we as Christ followers, we have to take God's word seriously, and we have to let God's word shape and inform us what we think, what we say, and what we do. And may we respond in the way that God wants us to respond, not in the ways that we see our culture responding, either from the left or from the right. And in his word, God tells us what he wants us to do as Christ followers. He wants us to do six things. Now, we may do more than these six things, but at least these six things God requires of us who profess the name of Jesus, who claim him as Lord, and who follow him as disciples. And here are the six things. First, we are not to fear. Second, we are to submit to the president. Third, we're to speak truth to power when power is used unjustly. Fourth, we are to pray for the president. Fifth, we are to honor the president. And sixth, most importantly, we are to love one another, maintain the unity of the church. And we are to do these six things not only because God has commanded us to do them, but it's also a part of our witness to the world. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak evil, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitations. Friends, our conduct matters. What we say, what we do, as Christ followers before a watching world matters. So we must keep our conduct honorable in how we respond to our new president, whether we personally like him or not. And by the way, I had this sermon ready to preach before I knew who the next president was, okay? So even if Donald Trump were to be reelected as president, you would have gotten the exact same sermon. This sermon does not depend on who sits in the White House, okay? So first, here's the first thing that we're to do. We are not to fear. God's word says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, 
fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The command to fear not is the most repeated command in the entire Bible. Over and over again, the Bible says things like, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not fear. No other command in the Bible comes close in terms of frequency. And the reason why God repeats this command over and over and over again is because we are people who are prone to fear. We are people who are full of fears. And that's why God has to tell us repeatedly to not fear. And the reason why we should not fear is because of God. Because God is sovereign. Because God is in control. Because God is with us. And because God has promised that he, would, that he will work all things together for his glory and for our good. You see, when we think about God about his power for us, about his promises to us, and about his presence with us, we have nothing left to fear. You see, if God is for us, who can be against us? Ernie Johnson is the host of the show Inside the NBA, along with Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, and Charles Barkley. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Uh, four years ago, he said this, after the last election, Ernie Johnson said this, I never know from one election to the next who's going to be in the Oval Office, but I always know who's on the throne. Ernie Johnson is a Christ follower, and he was referring to King Jesus, and King Jesus is the one who is on the throne. Joe Biden will be the president for the next four years, Lord willing, and maybe for the next eight years. We don't know, but we do know this. King Jesus... Uh, Jesus was king before Joe became president. Uh, Jesus will be king during the time that Joe is president. And Jesus will be king after the time of Joe's presidency is over. Friends, whether you rejoice in the results of this election or not, we can always rejoice in this, that the gospel has not changed. Amen? 2,000 years ago, God and Jesus came into the world to rescue the world from sin, death, and hell. And Jesus lived a perfect life of love and service. He was the only sinless and perfectly righteous man to have ever lived on the face of the planet. And then Jesus was put to death on a Roman cross, not for his sins, but for our sins, so that he might pay for the penalty of our sins. And then three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead, and he came out of that tomb with a new and resurrected body. And then the resurrected and living Lord Jesus, he ascended up into heaven, where he sat down at the right hand of God, where he sits on the throne of heaven right now, and he is currently reigning and ruling as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And every earthly leader, including our president, is under his reign and rule. And one day, King Jesus will come again, and he will make all things new and all things right. Friends, none of that has changed. The gospel was true yesterday, it's true today, and it will be true tomorrow and forevermore. Amen? We can rejoice in that because that will never change. Dr. R.C. Sproul helped us to have a, a proper God-centered perspective on what it means to have a president in light of God. He said this, but ultimately, the most important matter 
is not who sits in the White House, but who sits over the White House. The one who sits over the White House is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our Savior. And because King Jesus is still on his throne, the presidential election was according to a sovereign will. Romans 13 verse 1 says this, There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Joe Biden may or may not have been your personal choice, but he was God's choice. Now, that does not mean that God endorses or approves of everything that Joe Biden believes or stands for. But it does mean that God has chosen to use Joe Biden for his own sovereign purposes at this time in world history. So the first thing that we must do as followers of Jesus is to not be afraid. We do not fear because King Jesus is on the throne and is ruling and reigning over all things. He's in control of all things, and he has promised that all things will work together ultimately for his glory and for our good. Let's thank God that Joe Biden is only our president and not our hope. Joe Biden will not save us or sink us as a country. He is not that powerful. He's a mere man. Uh, Paul Kim, one of, our, one of the elders of our church, texted me yesterday, and this is what he said in his text. We do not put our trust in princes or parties or policies or platforms or politicians, but we put our hope in the Prince of Peace. Amen to that. Don't you love the alliteration with all the peace too? That one preaches. But also, but before I move on from this point, I need to say this. When I say that King Jesus is on his throne and therefore we ought not to worry, I do not mean, listen, I do not mean that everything that has happened and everything that is happening is pleasing to King Jesus. Yes, Jesus is sovereign and, he's con and he is in control of all things, but there are lots of things in this world Lots of things in our country that are wrong and unjust, and they displease and anger King Jesus. Jesus hates injustice and oppression. He hates abortion, and he hates racial injustice. He hates it when the poor and the vulnerable are oppressed, abused, unprotected, and taken advantage of. There are many things that are unjust and unfair in our country, and we ought to lament those things. And we must do what we can to protest injustice and to advocate for change and correction and reform where they're needed for the common good and for human flourishing. So when I say that Jesus is on the throne, I do not mean that Jesus is happy with everything as they are or that he's pleased with the status quo or that we as Christ followers are happy with everything the way that it is or that we're happy with the status quo. I am not saying that. But I am saying this. King Jesus is sovereign and he will use everything, even the evils and the injustices that he hates ultimately for his glory and for our good. It is beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, but King Jesus is so wise, so sovereign and so good that he can work all things together for good, even the things that seem to us that no possible good can come out of those things. 
Think about this, friends. If King Jesus can use, if King Jesus can bring good out of his own unjust suffering and death, the worst thing that ever happened in human history, if Jesus can bring good out of that, then Jesus can bring good out of anything and everything. Amen? No matter how bad things may seem to us, Jesus can redeem it and bring good out of that. You see, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we can trust King Jesus even in the face of chaos and injustice because he is on the throne, he knows what he's doing, and he is in control. And because one day he will return to make everything right and everything new. Here's the second thing we're called to do. We are, to sim- we are called to submit to our new president. The word of God says in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. We are to submit to our new president because God has appointed him to that position and we're ultimately submitting to God when we submit to his appointed leaders. But, a big but, we submit to the president and we submit to our government leaders in general only insofar as they do not cause us to sin and to disobey King Jesus. You see, our allegiance is first and foremost to King Jesus. We must submit to him and obey him above all else. So if we ever have to choose between obeying King Jesus and obeying our president or our government leaders, we choose to obey King Jesus every single time, no matter what the consequences are. Amen? Our first allegiance is to King Jesus. And we follow and we obey him no matter what. Here's the third thing we're called to do. We are to be prepared to speak truth to power when power is used unjustly, when power is misused and abused. In Luke chapter 3, verses 18 and 20, it tells us about an episode about what John the Baptist did when King Herod was acting unjustly and immorally. It says this, So with many exhortations, he, that's John the Baptist, preached the good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by John for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this uh, to them all that he locked up John in prison. John the Baptist had the courage to speak truth to power and to publicly protest and to rebuke Herod for all the evil things that he had done, even though it cost him being thrown into prison and eventually killed. Friends, as Christ followers, in the same way, should the president ever do something unjust or evil or immoral when he is not using his power for the common good and for the human flourishing of all, we must be prepared to speak truth to power and to publicly protest him and to rebuke him. When the president makes good and just decisions that benefit our entire country, we ought to applaud that and to thank God for that. 
But when he makes unjust or unfair decisions, we need to be prepared to protest that and to publicly rebuke him, just as John rebuked Herod. As Christ followers, we must never be afraid of bringing injustices to light, to rebuke it publicly, and to seek to correct it, even if it costs us. Now, of course, listen very carefully. We are to express our protests in humble, peaceful, nonviolent, and respectful ways. If we protest, we must protest as Christians and in a Christianly way. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and he said this, we should be ready to pray and preach, to promote the common good, and to resist injustice. We will pledge allegiance to the flag, but we will pledge a higher allegiance to the cross. We can pray and honor our leaders, work with them when we can, while preparing to oppose them when needed. Here's the fourth thing we're called to do as Christ followers. We are to pray for our president. The word of God commands us, tells us, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The word of God tells us to pray for our leaders, which certainly includes our president. And we're told to pray for two things. First, we're told to pray that God will give our president wisdom and understanding so that he might lead our country for the common good, for unity, for justice, and for peace, so that we might live peaceful and quiet lives. The only way the citizens of our country will lead peaceful and quiet lives is if our leaders lead justly and wisely. And so we pray for our president and for all of our government official leaders that they would lead with wisdom and justice. Second, we're to pray for salvation. Now, I don't know uh, where Joe Biden is with respect to his faith in Christ. I don't know that. You don't know that. But we are to pray that if he is a believer in Jesus, that God would strengthen his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he is not, let's pray that God would grant him true saving faith. Let's pray that Christ would capture Joe Biden's heart and that he would reign in the heart of our new president. Here's the fifth thing that we're called to do. We are to honor the president. The word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. The word of God tells us that we are to honor those who are in authority over us. And we have to remember the context of Peter's letter. Peter was writing to Christians who were being persecuted under Nero, the Roman emperor. And Peter's telling Christians to honor the very emperor who's persecuting them. And if the Apostle Peter can tell Christians in his day to honor Nero, then we can certainly honor our president. You see, no matter how bad you think Joe Biden may be, he is certainly not worse than Nero. And if Nero can be honored, 
Joe Biden can be honored. Now, hear me very carefully. You can disagree with the president. You can even criticize the president. But when you do, you're called to do it respectfully and in an honoring way. We're called to respect the office and whoever God calls to fill that office, no matter what you may think of his personal character. I remember four years ago, I had to remind Democrats to honor President Trump. Today, I feel like I have to remind Republicans to honor President Biden. And we honor the president not because we believe that they personally de uh, de deserve it, but because God demands it and we obey God. So talk with honor about our new president, especially in front of your kids, because your kids will most likely pick up and adopt your attitude toward the president. And also, let me just say this, because we live in a strange time with social media, where people just are different on social media. They say and do things on social media that they would never do in real life, or at least in front of real people. And, um, and I've heard and I've seen um, crass and obnoxious jokes about how they wouldn't mind if the president got assassinated or if how the president would die from COVID or from old age. Friends, that kind of joke, first of all, is not funny and it is totally unbecoming of Christians. It has no place in our dialogue, whether we're doing it in person or on social media. We must never wish ill will on the president, no matter how much you dislike his personality or disagree with his policies. So if you're going to be on social media and if you're going to express your views on the president, please, can I urge you, would you remember your Christian witness and would you keep your conduct honorable? Would you keep your words charitable? We must never talk about another human being who's created in the image of God in a dehumanizing way or in a demonizing way, even our president. Now, again, you can disagree with the president and even call out his flaws, but remember, you can always do that in a respectful and truthful way without exaggerating his flaws nor minimizing his strengths. And here's the sixth thing we're called to do, the sixth, the last thing. We are to love one another and maintain our unity as the church of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul writes this to us. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The word of God urges us as Christ followers to love one another and to eagerly maintain the unity that we have in Christ. You see, in our church, there are people who weighed matters differently than you and they voted differently than you. And that's okay. But what is not okay is for you to dislike them, distrust them, and even question their intellect 
or the sincerity of their faith because they think differently than you or because they voted differently than you. You see, as Christ followers, we, we must love one another and maintain our unity, especially with the people, especially with the people that we may disagree with politically. Though there is so much division in our country right now, we must not let that division come into our church. The church has to show the world a better way forward. And we must remember this. Christ follower, remember this. Before you're a progressive or a conservative, you're a Christ follower. Before you're an elephant or a donkey, you're a sheep. Your first and your primary allegiance is to King Jesus and to his kingdom, not to your political party. We are the church of God. We are the family of God. And therefore, that means we must be willing to set aside our political differences and to love one another and to fight for our unity as a community of faith. Yes, we can disagree with one another. I'm not saying that we can't disagree but we must continue to love one another as we disagree with one another. We can disagree with one another respectfully, agreeably disagree with one another, showing the world that our love for one another is stronger than our political preferences. And as the church of Jesus, we need to lead the way in showing our divided country how to reconcile and how to love one another, even as we disagree with one another, as we come together in unity for the common good. Pastor and author uh, Trevin Wax said this, the church has a grand opportunity to show a watching world what a community looks like where allegiance to Christ transcends the political differences of the current moment. Christ Central, may we feel more at home with people who share our faith, but not our politics, than with people who share our politics, but not our faith. Our common faith in Jesus is more important and more powerful than our differing political visions of what we think is best for our country. Now, more than ever, we as Christ followers need to be peacemakers. We need to be agents of reconciliation and kindness and hope. So let's encourage those who are angry and afraid, reminding them that Jesus is on the throne. He's in control, and everything's going to be okay. And let's also, at the same time, admonish those who are overly happy, who are overly elated, even gloating, reminding them that Jesus is on the throne, not their president of choice. But most of all, let's be charitable and kind with one another with our words, especially if you choose to engage with one another on social media. Pastor Huey said this this week, and I love this. He said this, In the kingdom of God, the lion and the lamb will lie down together. And, then that, and that means that even the elephant and the donkey will lie down together as well. I love that. And I love this picture. I'm going to show the picture here. Uh, this is a picture of two longtime friends. As you can see, they differ racially and politically, and they voted for different candidates. But they are still friends. This is a picture. This is a parable of what should be and can be 
in the church. We can vote for different parties, we can vote for different candidates, and we can still be friends. In fact, we're still family in Christ, amen? We're still family. So what? So what should we do as Christ followers? Let me briefly recap. First, we are not to fear because Jesus is the king. He's still on his throne and he's ruling and reigning right now. Second, uh, we are to submit to the new president. Third, uh, we are to speak truth to power when power is used unjustly. Fourth, we are to pray for our new president. Fifth, we are to honor the president. And sixth, we are to love one another and maintain our unity as the church of Christ. This is what God's word commands us to do as Christ followers. And this is an important part of our witness to the world at this cultural moment. I want to close my sermon today by praying a prayer that Pastor Scotty Smith posted on his blog this morning after he found out who our next president was. So would you, church, please pray with me as I pray Pastor Scotty's prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.14 Heavenly Father, as we fellowship with you this morning and ponder your promises, conflicting emotions fill our hearts. Restless hopefulness is one of them. Because you have promised to fill the earth with your glory one day, we have deep hope. Your entire creation and your every nation family are destined for consummate healing and an eternity of perfect everything. Hallelujah and thank you. But our restlessness is real and warranted. We feel the restlessness of how long, O oh Lord? When will you send Jesus back with the fullness of your kingdom? We also feel the restlessness of vulnerability. We Americans have a sitting president and one waiting in the wings. We pray for both. We earnestly pray for both, no matter how we voted. Father, as with all of your other promises, only Jesus can fulfill 2 Chronicles 7.14. He has taken the judgment of our wicked ways, and in him we have full forgiveness and perfect righteousness. This is our peace. But humbling ourselves, praying, seeking you, and repentance are gospel realities to which you now call us. Father, may we fear you more than we are afraid of the disruption and the changes in front of us. By your Holy Spirit, help us to crave a revival for our world, nation, and hearts more than we treasure a status quo life of personal peace and affluence. Drive out our fears by the perfect love of Jesus, and by that same love, may we serve our neighbors. So very amen, we pray in Jesus' great and graceful name. Amen.